culture to politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. A great nation facing great economic turmoil. Is it an economic catastrophe? Is it economic collapse? Well, no, not exactly. But when the market is down as it uh, was today, uh, another 600 points, really, uh, 600, okay, actually the final market down 486 points. But bad enough, it's at a new low for 2022. What does it all mean? Is uh, the market going down because the Federal Reserve is determined to keep slapping up higher interest rates in order to conquer inflation? Or is it because they don't think the Federal Reserve actually will conquer inflation? And so where are we headed? Toward recession or what? And what does it all mean politically? What are actually the ads of a change in direction in American government with Republicans taking over potentially both the House and the Senate. To get a perspective on all of that, it's uh, always a pleasure for me to speak to my friend Jerry Boyer. He um, is the host of the new podcast, Meeting of the Minds, with Jerry Boyer. He is the author of The Maker versus The Takers, uh, What Jesus Really Said About Social Justice and Economics. He is a columnist at a World News Group and the Christian Post. His latest piece is on uh, last week's markets said inflation still high, so the Fed will keep slowing the economy. Uh, Jerry, uh, just very directly, will slowing the economy work as it usually does in actually bringing down inflation? Yes, but it won't bring it down to normal levels. Uh, it will just bring it down from the extremely elevated levels that we've seen now. That's what the market indicators are saying right now. And uh, so when uh, uh, Chairman Powell actually says that we will get it down to 2%, which is their official goal, uh, he may be overly optimistic. Yeah, I mean, maybe he believes it. Uh, maybe he doesn't. But markets are acting as though he's serious about fighting inflation. But I also think they're taking into account the fact that uh, if we if we trigger a serious recession every single time that that's happened before, except Volcker Reagan, um, the Fed blinked, you know, or in a game of chicken swerved and said, all right, we'll take the we'll take the inflation uh just get us out of this recession so market indicators so you know markets are people with skin in the game not pundits like me prognosticating but actual skin in the game and they're looking forward and they're saying ah next year the fed's going to have to reverse uh because the economy is just going to get too weak so they're be so right you know we look we peaked at almost 10 percent inflation which i think was a peak and it's gone down somewhat uh, so maybe we go down to 6 or 4% inflation, which is still high. I don't think we go back down to normal, which is like 3%. So I think we're in a stagflationary outlook right now, and that's what the markets – if you look at all of them, the stock market compared to the bond market and the different kinds of bond markets and the different stock markets, they're all say, saying the same basic story. Fed's going to keep hiking for a while. It will lower inflation somewhat, but it will probably cause a recession. 
And uh, what will that recession mean? Are we going to have a big surge in unemployment, which is usually part of what comes along with a recession? No, and that's one of the things that's a little bit confusing here, because the Fed's philosophy, which is Keynesian economics, which I believe is wrong, uh, and their dual mandate says, well, you need to fight inflation, but not cause too much unemployment. So they feel like they can really fight on un- fight inflation until unemployment gets high. The problem is we're almost never going to have high unemployment now because we're old. <laughs> we're, you know, we're retiring. The labor force is dropping dramatically just because the baby boomers did not really replace themselves demographically. Plus, there's a, a, a shift in work ethic, and there are a lot of people who could work who simply choose not to work, partly because of a shift in work ethic and partly because the social safety net is getting to be more like a hammock. So the fact that we have low unemployment is not necessarily the traditional sign that the economy is good because a lot of what's causing us to have low unemployment is people simply getting out of the labor market either because they age out of the labor market or culturally they just don't care to work anymore or because they like the welfare benefits instead and so the unemployment rate is only it only counts people who are looking so unemployment is the percentage of people who are looking who don't have jobs but a lot of us aren't looking anymore, and that makes unemployment look lower than the true reality. Okay, what uh, if you were wearing, and, and I know you kind of do, a bracelet that said uh, WWRRD, what would Ronald Reagan do? If uh, Reagan and uh, sidekick, uh, though he wasn't appointed by Reagan, Paul Volcker, if they could be brought back to life and give advice for how to handle this economic turmoil we're in right now, what would they advise? They would advise uh, locking in the tax cuts that are going to expire and probably cutting taxes further. They would vastly change the way regulators are dealing with business. Um, And a lot of the problem here is we have a managerial class that it's almost like doesn't matter what the law is they just don't like business so the regulators are really stepping on the throat of business i see that in finance but really in in all places so they would tell the regulators get out of the way especially they would be screaming that at anyone who's regulating energy and they would say our job is to flood the world with new cheap abundant american energy oil prices are down but they're not down because we're producing they're down because we're not consuming as much because of the slowing economy so oil prices going down can be a good thing if it's increase in production or it can be a bad thing if it's decrease in demand because we're not using it as much because we're not growing as much so i think reagan would unleash energy unleash business and say, let Powell do what he needs to do. And if we have to have a recession to beat inflation, that's okay. We're America. We'll get through it. Um, I think that's what Reagan would do. Why do I think that? Because that's what he did do when we faced a similar situation before. In in terms of the next few months, uh, one of the things that I always enjoy about talking with you is you're right up to date with the latest odds. And these are futures markets on politicians on uh, everything going on. Uh, First of all, the important things first. Um, The market is very good that that Aaron Judge shatters the record and actually gets 62 or more home runs. Isn't that 
Doesn't that look almost sure? I wasn't I wasn't tracking that particular market. Sorry to let you down, my friend. Okay. Well, again, he's at 60 now, and there's still what I think the Yankees have 18 games. So I think that looks pretty good. I won't ask then about the Mariners, but what I will ask about is the elections coming up this November. Uh, Republicans take the House. Almost everyone seems to agree. What about that U.S. Senate? Uh, yeah, and the futures markets have almost double the, the, the probability. These aren't polls; these are probabilities. Have the Republicans taking the, 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 the Republicans having the House as almost double the probability of Democrats keeping the House? Senate's a lot closer. I would say it's within the margin of error in the sense that futures markets tend to underestimate populism. But right now, they've got Democrats um, keeping the Senate, but, you know, with a spread that I think we can beat. So I'm not ready to bet that the betters are right on the Senate, but I think the House is a foregone conclusion. Oh, yeah, way, I mean, some of the... Some of the smart people now are saying the Senate's going to be 50-50 again. It won't be the same 50 because some of the older senators are leaving, but it'll be 50-50 again. Uh, what about in the uh, um, brief time we have left, the presidency in 2024? Are people assuming Trump is going to run? Yes or no? Yes, but they're not assuming he's going to win the primary. The market's giving a slight edge to DeSantis. But the markets say whichever one gets nominated, they likely beat Biden. If, if Biden runs, which I, I think is highly unlikely. Uh, Jerry Boyer, always a pleasure for you. Appreciate your clarity and direct answer. On politics, uh, I, uh, I do believe that uh, it is most likely that we will have two presidential nominees, neither of whom has served before as president which means uh, no Joe Biden and no Donald J. Trump. Now, I could be wrong. President Biden was out on the campaign trail, I mean, sort of, and uh, he was actually responding to uh, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, who's making a bid to become speaker by promoting the GOP's new commitment to America agenda. Uh, here is what the President of the United States had to say about that. This is clip seven. The MAGA Republicans just cheered and embraced the first Supreme Court decision in our entire history, the first one in our entire history, that just didn't fail to preserve a constitutional freedom. It actually took away a fundamental right that had been granted by the same court to so many Americans, the constitutional right to choose. And now nearly half the states in the United States of America have either passed a ban on abortion or will shortly. And in many states, abortion is already banned even in cases of rape and incest. A fundamental change. Already 166 House Republicans have signed on to a bill that would ban abortion nationwide. And the senior senator from South Carolina, Lindsey Graham, has proposed a national ban on abortion with criminal penalties put on doctors and put them in jail if they, in fact, violate the ban. Okay, I don't think that is part of uh, Lindsey Graham's proposal, which I don't believe has even taken formal shape yet. And please note, Lindsey Graham's proposal, which was a stupid idea and he shouldn't have brought it up and it shouldn't be part of this election because this is a matter... And it's something that conservatives have said literally for years and years and years and years. It's for states to decide. 
the idea of a national ban or a national uh, right granted by the Congress of the United States uh, regarding abortion, it, it may end up holding up legally and judicially, but it's a terrible idea. Uh, federalism works, and if you believe in that, and, and especially given the fact that the national ban, first of all, it won't pass or get anywhere, the one Lindsey Graham is talking about. He's talking about a, a ban on late-term abortions. 95% of all abortions take place in the first 15 weeks. This uh, bill that Republicans are talking about nationwide are are actually, uh, it, it would not interfere with 95% of the abortions that take place now. And uh, and there also, uh, as Lindsay has, has said, there were exceptions for rape, incest, and the life of the mother. And that's worth pointing out, it seems to me. Uh, there's another story with... Uh, I'm done saying I'm sorry, uh, so says Alex Jones. And he's just started another trial, and it's not going well. A dateline is Waterbury, Connecticut. Alex Jones' initial day of testimony in a trial for damages after years of lying about the Sandy Hook shooting ended in chaos. Confronted yesterday with the harm he has done by repeating lying on his InfoWars radio program and online show, and lying by saying that Robbie Parker, whose daughter Emily died in the massacre, was an actor, and that nobody died in the massacre, uh, Mr. Jones erupted in a rant that drew a contempt threat by Judge Barbara Bellis of State Superior Court. Is this a struggle session? Are we in China? I've already said I'm uh, sorry, and I'm done saying I'm sorry, Alex Jones said. It sounded like this. Uh, listen. That's the real Robin Parker, isn't it? I mean, I said years ago I thought it was going to go to heaven. Robin Parker's sitting right here. He's real, isn't he? Yes. And for years, you put a target on his back, didn't you? Objection in the form of that giant. Oh. Well, I mean, I, Did you? I, I, the day I said his name, it's true. I haven't said other people's names as they are. You put a target on his back just like you did every single parent and loved one sitting here. Did you? No, I didn't. No, you didn't. That's argumentative. There's no there's speculative. There is no foundation for it. And it's inappropriate. To Let's move on. These are real people. You know, Mr. Jones? I think you just told me to move on. Just like all the Iraqis, but you liberals kill and love. It's just, you're unbelievable. You switch on emotions on and off when you want. You're, it's just ambulance chasing. Why don't you show a little respect? Objection, Judge. I think that if you get what you give in this courtroom. Objection. You have families in this courtroom here that lost children, sisters, wives, moms. Is this a struggle session? Are we in China? Okay, and uh, then it goes on and gets worse. Listen. I've already said I'm sorry hundreds of times, and, I, and I'm done saying I'm sorry. I didn't regenerate this. I wasn't the first person to say it. American governors are like being blamed for this, as the left did. So we rejected it mentally and said it must not be true. And but I legitimately thought it might have been staged, and I stand by that. I don't apologize for it. And, and, and don't apologize, Mr. Jones. Please don't apologize. No, I've already apologized to the parents over because and over again. We know you're I don't apologize to you. Objection. Don't apologize to you. You're going to do it again. Objection, Judge. Objection. Objection. Argumentative. Don't apologize to you. 
it's hard for me to get a word in edgewise. Okay, that's the judge, and she was warning of a contempt citation. The situation doesn't look good for Alex Jones. Um, and in, uh, in the first trial, there was a jury in Austin, Texas, which uh, in August awarded Scarlett Lewis and Neil Heslin, parents of uh, Jesse Lewis, who died at Sandy Hook, they won nearly $50 million, but Texas law caps that verdict as far less. Uh, Mr. Jones' effort to defend himself on Thursday was punctuated by violations of the judge's order, barring mentions of partisan politics or politicians. As Mr. Jones' testimony got underway, he attempted to cast the trial in political terms, saying the most important thing to him is, quote, crushing the globalists. At other times, he professed little knowledge of attacks on the families and uh, other InfoWars staff members had made on his show and said he did not recall things that he had said as recently as the previous day. So uh, we will see how, how that goes. Again, it's such a monstrous lie and one seemingly calculated to torment the parents who genuinely had lost kids uh, again, this is this is not a question of a freedom of speech case. It's a question of uh, accountability case, and uh, we will continue monitoring it. But again, you you can't help but feel for the uh, the victims of uh, the Sandy Hook horror. Uh, there's also a, a question about uh, American leaders speaking to China and so one of the people who is taking on <clears throat> the issue of China and the Chinese threat it's a threat to Taiwan it's a threat to the whole world is Ron DeSantis uh, who is obviously one of the uh, front runners you can say that one of them for the presidential nomination of the Republican Party what did he say about combating the Chinese communists we'll get to that and more coming up on the Medved show Michael Medved show. Uh, there's a discussion in uh, Florida, uh, and again, one of the things that uh, Ron DeSantis has, which is something that Alexander Hamilton wrote about in Federalist Papers, is energy in the executive. Think about it: how many times this one governor out of our 50 state governors has actually gotten the attention of the country, and it's not just because he's a presidential. Uh, possibility. It's because he's an activist governor and he's trying to do things to advance his values and his agenda. And right now he is concerned about a trend that a number of people have observed in Florida, which is uh, that uh, Chinese communists, uh, the Chinese government, in effect, is buying up a great deal of land in Florida. And DeSantis wants to try to stop it. Uh, how? L listen, this is clip 10. The CCP or a front group company or something, they'll buy like all this land 
farmland and all this other stuff. And you're thinking, how is that in our national interest to be selling all this land? And, you know, they pay a lot more than it's worth, and that's why people are doing it. But from a national security perspective, is that something that we want to see? And a lot of times there'll be companies that will put themselves out as private, but if you peel back the onion a little bit, they're basically controlled by the Chinese government. So we think that that's something that the, the U.S. as a whole needs to take much more seriously. And what we're going to be doing in Florida is doing that. Uh, you also have uh, the CCP buying land near our military installations. Why are they doing that? Well, of course, they want to get intelligence. They want to know uh, what's going on here uh, in the United States. And we have 21 different military branches from every branch of the armed forces here in the state of Florida. And uh, we view that as something that's significant. So we have to be on the lookout for what they're doing. Uh, so today we are going to propose uh, legislation to pass a bill to prohibit the purchase of these lands, including lands near military bases, by China and other countries of concern. Uh, okay, but again, uh, right for a governor to take that matter under advisement? I mean, I think there's a question about uh, how these laws will work and a question about whether this is primarily, since it deals with national security, a federal concern. But uh, I think it, it shows some of the reasons that, so, that many people are rallying behind DeSantis because he is a doer. It is uh, energy in the executive, as they said long ago. Uh, Pam in Richland, uh, Washington, sent in an email. And this goes back to a, uh, a previous email that we received that said that uh, uh, basically uh, um, implied that uh, Jesus was a liberal. It didn't just imply it, it said it. And she writes back, uh, yes, indeed, Jesus would be a Democrat. I became a Christian in high school. Someone gave me a Bible, and I read the New Testament over and over, especially the red letters. At age 18, I became baptized and felt it my duty to be a disciple of Jesus, which meant put down your sword, turn the other cheek, think of others as higher than yourself, and so on and on. I was shocked that Republicans are the and she puts in quotes, Christians. Not by what Jesus said. Republicans are just the opposite of what Jesus practiced. Uh, Pam, th there's one aspect where I, I honestly believe that people like you, and I assume based upon your email that you still consider yourself a Christian, but one of the things that uh, turns uh, conservatives uh, sometimes against uh, the view of Christianity that you're talking about is that it doesn't talk about the freedom to practice your Christian faith today and the interference with religious liberty and one of the big issues on this was we had a tradition in America of non-sectarian prayer sometimes it was even sectarian prayer in schools when that was banned uh, and it was banned in 1961. It's a long time ago. And when you began to have people wanting to take back the insertion of under God, under God was used in the Gettysburg Address, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom. 
and that was adapted to the Pledge of Allegiance. When people were opposed to that, when it appeared that there was a desire by people on the left to enforce not any religious faith, but a secular non-faith, uh, that is, is one of the reasons that so many people are afraid that eventually you will find people on the left side of things who use the threatening a tax deduction, who interfere with uh, free practice of, uh, of, of your religious faith. And that is something when you're looking at uh, what you find to be surprising or hypocritical about people on the right who are deeply religious, you should think about th their concerns, which are, uh, I think, very real and not crazy at all, to believe that decisions about how you understand the Bible should be left not to the government but to the individual. Uh, then this came in from Bill in Seattle, and <laughs> we've had so many like this over the years. Bill says, I heard you approve of the idea that America is the greatest. It wasn't just me approving of the idea. It's 63% of all Democrats, 91% of all Republicans. That's a new poll. He said, America's not the greatest, and how foolish to believe in that lie. It's so arrogant, it's so childish, it's so embarrassing. Europeans would never say that about their nation. Uh, never? Uh, Deutschland, Deutschland über alles? Germany, Germany above everything? Uh, come on. Great nations don't allow citizens to sleep on the streets. Great nations don't start wars. Uh, and great nations don't have armed citizens and a massive amount of nukes. Really? You, you, don't, you think that having a massive amount of nukes, do you think that Great Britain, which has quite a few nukes, is a great nation? I do. Uh, what great countries do is care for its citizens, cover their needs, and make their lives peaceful and safe. I think God helps make your life peaceful and safe. I think it's, it's difficult for a government to make life entirely peaceful and safe or protected. I've lived abroad and it is glorious. So what brought you back, Bill? You should try it and get off your high horse, signed Bill in Seattle. I'd be interested to know where he lived abroad. Part of what great means, great means, and if you look in any dictionary definition, it uh, great means not only wonderful and exceptional, but it means a consequential. It means big. Uh, great in a traditional English means large and substantial. And America is that. If you think about what's happened in Ukraine uh, just recently, uh, what other nation would have been in a position to help Ukraine resist and to rally the world? And one of the reasons that basically America is so exceptionally great and deserves the title the greatest nation on God's green earth is because it is the one indispensable nation without the United States uh, it's unthinkable that the Cold War would have been won it's unthinkable that World War II 
would have been won. And yes, I know Russians played a role in that with the war on Europe. But winning World War II and entering an era of relative peace and tremendous economic progress, that was the achievement of the United States. That is, in fact, the American miracle. Okay, there are a bunch of films, and one that's fairly miraculous from an entertainer who I've never particularly enjoyed, who uh, turns out a terrific film based on a best-selling children's novel. And on the Michael Medved Show, wishing everyone a uh, peaceful, satisfying, meaningful break in uh, your weekend activities. And uh, yes, it is the Sabbath. It is the Lord's Day on Sunday for uh, Christians out there everywhere. But there's also a special greeting for all Jewish people who are listening and all people who follow Jewish holidays which is Lashana Tova, uh, which means a good year, because a Jewish New Year begins on Sunday night, and uh, the days of Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, are Monday and Tuesday. And it's a, a time for family get-togethers and a time for also reflection, looking back over the year just past and figuring out what could have been done better and resolving to try to improve uh, yourself and by implication, by improving yourself, improving the world. And uh, may there be a satisfying and wonderful um, good new year to uh, facilitate that. We, uh, uh, we are going to have next week, toward the end of the week, uh, some terrific guests, including Andrew McCarthy, uh, about the fentanyl crisis and more. And uh, also uh, we'll be joined by Bill O'Reilly. His uh, perspective, always controversial and always enlightening. Uh, meanwhile, the latest from Hollywood. Okay, I, I have never been a fan of the girls series on TV or of Lena Dunham or her political activism or her personal pronouncements or her various struggles against various people who don't need to be enemies. And uh, hearing that she had a new movie that was coming out where she was the co-writer, she was the director, she was the producer... I didn't have a lot of uh, confidence in it. The, the film is based upon a 1997 uh, young adults novel or children's novel, really. And it's about a girl who's 14 years old uh, growing up in medieval England. Uh, the year is supposed to be 1291. The film is called Catherine Called Birdie. And it's a rugged title. But it's a fairly wonderful film, and it it perplexes me. It's a, a film of a girl coming of age, and her father is the lord of a manor who has been very sloppy about his money. He's desperate for money to pay some of the bills, and the only source of money that he can see is uh, getting a big dowry for his 14-year-old eligible daughter. And uh, she does not, however, 
actually cotton to some of the suitors that he has picked out who range in age from 80 to 9 years old. I mean, come on, it's medieval England. It's 1291. Film sounds like this. You're my only daughter. If I say that you should be married, then married you should be. Did I choose to die rather than be forced to marry? I do not think either option appealing or fair. Okay, uh, the film is actually very funny. It's very touching. The uh, uh, world of uh, medieval England is beautifully created. Is it historically viable? Not entirely. One of the things that they do is they illustrate it with a contemporary musical soundtrack. Uh, sometimes it's played on lute to make it sound more period-oriented. But uh, basically the message being that a uh, 14-year-old girl coming of age, a big part in the plot is when she discovers uh, what they refer to as the Red Lady. She doesn't know anything about it. Ha has to do with her period. Uh, the film, the film is also in praise of family because it turns out that her mother and her father, who are very well played, uh, are people with whom you can be deeply sympathetic. Uh, the film will make you laugh. Uh, there are parts of it that uh, are deeply moving. Uh, it it isn't perfect because again I think some of the musical selections and some of the contemporary references sort of take you out of the period and take you out of the suspension of disbelief it is PG-13 for some references to sexuality and uh, more uh, three stars for Catherine called Birdie which I think is easily the the most recommendable film of those uh, released this week. Another big film that has a lot of discussion and debate about it, it's almost three hours long, and it's rated NC-17, and it's rated NC-17 because there's a great deal of nudity, and uh, there's also a great deal of horrifyingly brutal sex, some of it involving John F. Kennedy. A film's about Mar Marilyn Monroe, and it's based upon a novel about Marilyn, not a, a biography, but a novel by Joyce Carol Oates that came out a few years ago. The film is called Blonde, and it emphasizes the very hard life that Marilyn, uh, or Norma Jean Mortensen, or Norma Jean Baker, she had earlier names before she took the Marilyn Monroe name, uh, she had a very difficult life that is shown in all its horror here. Listen. How'd you get your start? What start? In movies. I guess I was discovered. I know you're supposed to get used to it, but I just can't. I can't face doing another scene with Marilyn Monroe. When I come out of my dressing room, I'm Normie T. Marilyn Monroe only exists on the screen. Okay, and part of that idea that Marilyn Monroe only exists on the screen is the film moves back and forth between black and white and color. But unlike Wizard of Oz, there's no particular uh, reason why it shifts from black and white to color. It's uh, a brilliant performance by Anna de Armas, who is the young Cuban-American actress who is sensational in the film. She doesn't look that much like Marilyn but she gets the voice and does a phenomenal performance, particularly when Marilyn gets into trouble toward the end of her life. Uh, part of what 
is disappointing in the film is it's so unsympathetic to all the people around her, all the people in her life who treat her horribly. There is a horrible, chilling sequence about her having sex, performing a sex act on the President of the United States, uh, John F. Kennedy. For some reason, the men in her life are not identified. Joe DiMaggio was here, played by Bobby Cannavale. The film's very unfair to Joe DiMaggio because it shows him simply as an evil wife-beater. Her uh, other husband, Arthur Miller, the playwright, is played by Adrian Brody. He is also very two-dimensional. The uh, the idea that uh, and um, Andrew Dominic, who wrote and directed the film, has a tremendous visual sense. And some of the scenes where you're seeing the world from Marilyn's point of view and the eager crowds pulsing around her and some of what she experienced are just cinematically stunning, which is why, uh, despite the NC-17 rating, I would give it two and a half stars. But it's an ordeal to sit through, and it leaves you feeling terrible. Uh, Don't Worry Darling is a comedy, eerie, horror film uh, about a utopian 1950s world that has been set up somewhere you don't know exactly when which is one of the uh, mysteries in the film it's called victory and it's a scene full of cult followers for chris pine and uh florence Pugh is married to harry styles in the film and harry styles the pop star making his serious acting debut uh, but something is wrong in their perfectly orderly cult paradise. Listen. All of you wives, we men, we ask a lot. We ask for strength, food at home, a house clean, and discretion above all else. Welcome to the Victory Project. We're all here because we believe in the mission. What are we doing? Changing, Changing the, the world. world. Do you even know what the Victory Project actually is? I'm curious to hear where she's going with this. Okay, you never do know what the Victory Project actually is. And uh, Florence Pugh plays the central character who's on screen almost the entire movie. It's directed by Olivia Wilde. And it will remind a lot of people of The Truman Show or Stepford Wives or something about a removed, controlled environment with a dark secret. Part of what's frustrating about the film is you never found out what exactly the secret is. It is a rated R. There are some very graphic sex scenes, including one in which someone is spread out on a dining room table and the dishes clatter. Uh, There's a lot of broken silverware with the film. That's rated R, two stars for Don't Worry, Darling. And you shouldn't need to worry. We will be back uh, with more reasons to feel inspired and grateful in particular.